Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the weekend warm-up podcast. And once again, I am here with Jake Fenner. Jake, it's great to have you back. How are things going? It's great to be back, Chuck. To be honest, I, I miss doing these, right? Working night, sh- night shift absolutely kills me, but uh, to see... To see your smiling face with your <laughs> Delco accent just brings me utter joy every time I do one of these. <laughs> well, Jake, one thing is certain. We are never in a shortage of things to talk about on the show. And this week, again, just loads of stories. I mean, I feel like every time we turned around, it was just one big story after another. And as always, we'll start out with the five things that we learned this week. And Jake, this was a big one. We learned oh, yeah. that Robert Lewandowski wants to leave Bayern Munich. Jake, what are your thoughts on this? Well, we knew that Lewandowski had wanted to leave ever since the reports came out sometime last season, or I forget if it was last season or last summer, that he wanted to go off and try something new, right? And I don't blame him. It just kind of sucks, right? Because Bayern's the club that never wants to enter a transfer window without a plan in place. And this kind of leaves him stuck with uh without a plan and i have a good like lengthy article coming out sometime soon about uh the five paths that bayern munich could go down to try and replace robert Lewandowski or at least fix their striker problem and one of the analogies that i was pretty proud of myself about was that um it would be one thing if this was Early in a relation, I, I, I likened Bayern's relationship with Robert Lewandowski to a romantic relationship, right? Because it would be one thing if this was just, you know, a couple months in, you're a little beyond the talking stage. You've you've not exactly fallen in love with this person, but, you know, you're you're not sure where your heart goes, right? In those in those beginning days of a relationship, it's hard to understand. It would be understandable if that was the relationship that Robert Lewandowski and Bayern Munich had, but that's not the case. This is definitely, if not a marriage, it is a common law marriage at this point, because he spent double, exactly double the amount of games at Bayern that he has at Dortmund. He's tripled the amount of goals that he's had at Dortmund, more than tripled. So for Bayern to go ahead, have the best striker, if not the best player in the world, in the palm of their hands, on their team and say, yeah, you know what? Time to look to the future. If I was Lewandowski, I'd be a little bit pissed. And now Bayern is just sitting there in the middle of the dance floor with nobody to dance with. The person that they've wanted to go after has gone off with the star football player. The guy that they brought to the dance is so offended that they've started going out with the lead cheerleader. And here they are just kind of standing in the middle with people pointing and laughing at them as they almost kind of deserve. So to not really commit themselves to Lewandowski for at least two years and then say, yeah, we can still try and go after Holland later. It's a little bit disappointing, a little shocking that Bayern didn't see this coming. And now they're just stuck. They're stuck having to find out some kind of option that works best for them this season and for the seasons to come. Yeah, it it is. I mean, awful timing for one. Uh, It just seems that right now Bayern Munich, while they do have options and there are directions they can go, 
there is no replacing Lewandowski. Everything that he does, his scoring ability, how he works in the holdup play, and what he has meant to that team, there's just no way to replace that. And, you know, I've been harping on and on about Erling Haaland being the only player that was somewhat capable of filling those shoes. And with him not available, Jake, to me, this is a, an absolute disaster. And I know there's a lot of sentiment out there where people talk about, you know, this is Bayern Munich, they'll recover. It's about, you know, the sum of the parts, not an individual. Um, I'm having a lot of problems right now thinking that this team, no matter who they get to replace Lewandowski, if he leaves this summer, is going to be able to be a serious contender in Europe next season. It's got me really (laughs) a little bit shook up with that because I just can't see it at this point. And Jake, this will help us transition right into the next thing that we learned is there is a laundry list of options for Bayern Munich Uh, to replace Robert Lewandowski with. And whether he leaves or not this summer, Bayern is indeed looking into quite a few players, one of them being VFB Stuttgart's Sasa Kalajic. Jake, give me your thoughts on Kalajic. What do you think about him and and some of those other names on the list? I think Sasa Kalajic would be a fantastic buy for Bayern Munich next year because (laughs) – here, here's and here's what I wrote, and here's what I truly think. I think if it wasn't for the unfortunate injuries that Kalajic, uh had encountered this season, we might be sitting a little more comfortable with the idea of getting him onto this Bayern Munich squad. Uh, unfortunately, he did get injured, and so now there is pause to this idea, right, of Byron going and getting Kalajic. He had a fantastic season last season. If it wasn't for his teammate, uh, Silas Katalpa Mvumpa, I imagine that he would have won Bundesliga Young Player of the Year last season, right? But he... He had a better teammate who uh, who also got injured, and that's really why Stuttgart kind of struggled this season. Um, I haven't been fully convinced by Kalajic because of his injuries, and that's not necessarily fair to him. But if there is some way that Bayern can just not sell Lewandowski, let, even if you let him walk on a free, if you agree to sell him – if you let him agree to a one-year contract and then sell him, if there is some way for you to get a season of Sasa Kalajic at VfB Stuttgart, still in the top flight of the Bundesliga, and he can score 20 goals, go ahead and get him for 35 to $40 million next year, I'd be okay with that. I'd be comfortable with that. I'd be happy with that. But the way things are looking... It seems like Bayern are almost going to force themselves into this, and I'm not sure if he's ready to make that jump at the age that he is at. Elsewhere in the Bundesliga, I looked at Patrick Schick, even though uh, Bayer Leverkusen seem very, very against selling any of their mm-hmm. players to Bayern for good reason, Absolutely. and they're probably going to have to pay more than – the $44 million valuation that transfer mark has him at, if not double. Yeah, we're, um, we're seeing about double for Schick. That's why, for, for me, he is not even an option for Bayern at this point. He's not. He's yeah. really not. Um, I would love to have him, but I doubt we'll be able to. Um, 
I mean, I've tossed out Lukaku here before. Jerome Boateng thinks Harry Kane, which, I mean, I think there are only two clubs that could possibly be in on Harry Kane at this point, and that's PSG and Bayern Munich. But, you know, Harry Kane can barely speak German. Can't speak German. He can barely speak English, if you've (laughs) ever heard him speak before. Um, So I just don't see him as a fit. My personal favorite, my new favorite for this is Moussa Dembele, the striker from Lyon. He's had 15 goals a season every season with the exception of last year when he only got 810 minutes of playing time on loan at Atletico Madrid. Um, And that's with the surrounding cast of Celtic and Olympic Lyon. (laughs) I feel like if he got some great players around him, he'd be good. And his transfer mark value of 18 million is really attractive, but you know, my spoiler alert for the end of my article is that there is a free transfer out there that has been linked with Bayern Munich before that. I think if you want to truly replicate the spirit of the first Lewandowski transfer, then you go after this guy, uh, Paulo Dybala. I think that, (laughs) and I'll say this, right. Dybala's had a really rough go of it at Juventus, but he's always been surrounded by other strikers, right? If you think about it, Morata, Higuain, Mandzukic, Cristiano Ronaldo, and now Dusan Vlahovic, as well as players like Moise Kayan. He's never truly been the guy at Juventus. If he goes to a place where he becomes the guy and isn't, is, has that pressure of fighting for his position off of him, Right, I could see him being a lot like Thomas Muller when he got told that from uh, from Hansi Flick that he's just able to get that pressure off of him and just play and be as free as he possibly can. And he plays a little different style than what Bayern has been used to, but I could see it potentially working out. Not to mention, he costs exactly zero dollars, right. aka zero pounds. And if you convert that to euros, that's zero euros as well. So if Bayern really have a lot of holes to plug, and I think they do, right at right back, possibly at center back in midfield, a free option might not be a bad one. Yeah, and I, Jake, I think if Carl Heinz Romanego were still in charge, I think your Dybala, uh, uh, that acquisition would be going through because we know that KHR was absolutely a huge fan. Honus uh, loves him too. Uh, yeah, and, and I think, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, it's just probably about a year and a half too late for that move. But I guess from my perspective, I'm looking at a couple of things and I think... I'm usually on the team of avoiding free transfers, especially when it comes to a great player. I think that you need to sell and maximize that value. But for Lewandowski, I think he's so vital to this team and what this team does. And I think the team's absolutely too dependent on him at this point. I almost think you have to keep him unless he throws a fit and makes this difficult uh, for not just the club, but for his teammates to be around, which is a possibility. Uh, So for me, I try and keep him, but if I sense that this is an unworkable situation, then I'll probably, I would probably lean toward a sale. And to be honest, when looking at the options, to me, there aren't a ton of great fits just because no one can replace what he does. And I do not have the confidence in players like Leroy Sané and Serge Gnabry, if he's even still around, and Kingsley Coman to be able to up their production 
like we saw in the past with players like Arjen Robin and Frank Ribery, how when Mario Mandzukic was the striker, they were able to elevate themselves and carry the offense rather than the striker being the focal point, Thomas Muller being another key figure there. I don't think the wings that Bayern has now are as consistent or as dominant. And I think if Lewandowski leaves, it's going to just fill a big hole. If you wanted me to push my agenda on you, Jake, there are a couple of names that I, I have. I know. <laughs> you I know one name that you're going to throw out. And I swear to God, Chuck, if you say it, I think you're about as insane as me for thinking <laughs> Paulette Ball is coming to Bayern Munich. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to happen. But if we were to get hashtag Timo time from Chelsea, Good I think he's at least, he at least has a proven track record in working under Julian Nagelsmann. He has a proven track record of shooting balls over the bar chuck that's that's okay he'll fit right in on this team have you seen yeah. coman and gnabry and Sané i've seen Sané, in the yeah, half? <laughs> fair enough fair enough yes the other name coming back and this is not serious but it's just interesting that he is on his way back to the club is my guy the hashtag arp train who oh, is coming off of a dismal loan stint <laughs> at Holst- holstein keel it's a shame what has happened to this kid's career. When he first joined the club, he looked like he was going to be something special. Injuries, illnesses, and now an ill-fated loan have all really damned his career. So I'm, I'm excited to see him come back, but I don't have a lot of high hopes, and I don't think he can. Uh, really ill-fated, ill-fated is one way of putting it, Chuck. Um, a combined three goals in three 26 goals in, appearances yeah, is another way of putting yeah. it. I did. I did forget the two assists. I'm yeah, sorry. So you sorry to, him uh, Don't slander his sorry name. To Art like Berger. That. He's a playmaker. Sorry to Art Berger. <laughs> uh, just if quickly, if I can, mm-hmm. to jump in on your point about Lewandowski, uh, beyond him throwing a fit, the only way I can see Bayern selling him is if Barcelona ponies up the money. Cause the report that we published this morning saying that they're going to pay for, 40 to 45 million for him. I have to say, I don't care how old he is. That is laughable. Lewandowski is the best striker in the world. And you think you're going to get him for 45 million euros. I'm thinking you cannot sell him for a minimum of 55. And even then Byron's probably not going to take it. I can't see an offer being taken seriously at the Byron front office. Unless Lewandowski pitches a fit again. If it's anything less than 60, maybe even 70 million euros, right? Again, he's the best striker in the world. And for the last three seasons, he's been the best striker in the world. Over the last five seasons, I actually ran the math. Over the last five seasons, there is nobody who has scored more goals than Robert Lewandowski. The closest to him is Messi with 176 than uh, Ronaldo with 169 and Chiro and Mobile at 156. But even then, Lewandowski is 194. He almost has 200 goals in five seasons, and you're going to offer him 45 million. Three of those seasons have been seeing him score 55, 48, and 50. And those last three seasons have all been on the wrong side of 30. There is no way that Bayern's going to take that offer. And Barcelona don't have a lot of cash, so they're going to have to pony up a lot more in order to, in order to get him. It's an impossible situation for Bayern. Lewandowski's obviously valued at a higher number than that, I think, by everyone, despite his age. The problem is he's really zeroed in on FC Barcelona, even though there are other teams that have been linked to him so far, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, 
Manchester United, PSG, these are not, to me, realistic options. And even though they probably could pay more, it just seems like Lewandowski wants Barca. Barca wants Lewandowski. And unfortunately, if Bayern does decide to sell, I think they're going to end up somewhere in that range of 40 to 45 million, which is a joke. But Barca doesn't have much more to offer. And if Lewandowski and his agent push this, and they can because they do have some power with making you know the collective lives of the people at Bayern Munich hell for the next 12 months. Uh, I think you know Bayern would have to consider even such a paltry fee of 40 to 45 million for him. And and that'll lead us, Jake, into the third thing that we learned this week because it ties into this, because this guy did not address not only Lewandowski, but other potential free transfers in a timely fashion. Is Brazo under fire at Bayern Munich? And Jake, we saw quite a few, quite a few stories this week, kind of referencing that. But then Sport Build really dropped the hammer. There were a couple of key points to the story that they put out. One that Brazo promised the current squad that he was going to try and make the squad stronger, but it was going to take money, and that might be difficult. And the players were allegedly skeptical. Uh, the players were reportedly not happy with losing Sula to Borussia Dortmund, especially on a free transfer. Sula was a very likable character in the locker room that did not go over well. Another piece of uh, (laughs) the story that emanated from the locker room is that Brazo didn't speak to Sula at any point in the last five years about his future or his contract or basically anything, which rubbed a lot of players the wrong way. Robert Lewandowski and Thomas Muller both complained about the lack of communication regarding their own contracts. And this, Jake, was the kicker to me, while there were several other points that were made in that piece by Sport Build, that the players obtained a video of Brazo dancing at a Mallorca nightclub, and they thought it was funny and were poking fun at it. Now, Jake, I can't fault them for that, because if there is like a Pep Guardiola kind of video out there with him dancing at a party, I would want to see that. I know the players assuredly were probably laughing at it, and I will tell you, Jake, it's only the number two video that I want, of course, Nico Kovac's. That, that's karaoke. what I was thinking of, too. <laughs> that's still number one on my list. No matter how bad Brazo is as a dancer, that Kovac doing 99 Luff Balloons is still number one. Jake, what did you make of that story by Sport Build? As far as I'm concerned, by the way, Christian Falk is an absolute fraud until he releases the tape of Nico Kovac <laughs> singing 99 Luff Balloons. Um, much like the general manager of my favorite hockey team. Uh, Brazo's got to go, right? I think the... I think the the defining characteristic on Brazo in his tenure is that he has been late. Very, very late to things, right? It took him forever to get Neuer re-signed. It took him forever to get Muller re-signed. Uh, It took him so forever on Nick Sula getting re-signed that he effed off to Dortmund, right? Uh, It took him so long to get Lewandowski re-signed that he's not going to re-sign, and now he's most likely going to go, right? But beyond that, it's just his ineptitude in the transfer market, right? Number one, his obsession with Callum Hudson-Odoi is insane. The fact that we were still linked with him last January is incredible, the fact that he could have gone and gotten Frankie Dion, and instead he settled for Mark Rocca, 
The fact that he could have gone and gotten either Max Ahrens or Serginho Dest and instead settled on one of the worst signings that Bayern Munich has ever made in Bunasar, right? Again, a man so bad that when you substitute him onto the field, you're automatically playing with 10 men. It, it does not make sense to me why he was so late on all of these things, why he was so indecisive on contracts and players, and why he almost always left things to the final week of the transfer window. If you're a general manager of a professional sports team, let alone one of the biggest clubs, if not the biggest club in your country and all of your continent, the last thing that you can be is indecisive and hesitant. You are competing against countries, literal countries, in the transfer market in Europe, in the biggest transfer market, in the biggest sport in the world. You are competing as a global brand with global reach. The last thing that you can do is hesitate on any of these things. I'm shocked that he wasn't fired last year. I want him gone now, and I don't know who I would replace him with, but I feel like Oli Khan has like a decent idea of where the club is at, and I would be interested in seeing him potentially in charge. But to have Brazo just kind of sitting on his hands these last few years doing next to nothing until, you know, his feet are like half an inch away from the fire is insane and just shows a little bit of cowardice, if not a little bit of managerial ineptitude. Yeah. It's, it's really a confounding case because Brazo has done some good things and I have been more critical of him than a fan of him, but I'm not also one of the people that will bury him for everything. He, I think he's made some very questionable moves. I don't like some of the strategies that he's had. I especially did not like, the lack of collaboration with Hansi Flick, which I, again, I'll reiterate this for the millionth time. When you have a coach like that, someone that can relate to the players and draw the most out of the players on his roster, including some players he did not necessarily want on that roster, that's special. You need to do what you can to retain that coach, work with that coach, and, and build an extensive relationship between the front office and the coaching staff. And what Brazo did in that case was alienate the coach ultimately force him to leave. And as you said, Jake, there were several very questionable moves. There were a couple of bad ones. He's made some good moves as well for as, as much as many people were so gung-ho about Sanhe and, and how everyone wanted him. I was kind of on the fence with that. I wasn't fully convinced and we'll be, I'll be writing about this in the next couple of days where we stand on Sané. But that to me, that is, that is Brazo's move. Depending on how you perceive Sané's performance, it probably determines how you feel about Brazo. If you think Sané has been a disappointment, you probably are not a fan of Brazo's work. But if you think Sané has been as good as advertised, then you're probably on Team Brazo. For me personally, I think he's done good things. I think he has done some poor things, and there's been a lot in the middle. But that Hansi Flick relationship, I'll probably never get over that. And while I'm not going to call for his job, I think that, you know, the club is looking closely at his performance. And given that he has a lack of resources to work with in terms of funds, 
this really could be a make or break transfer window for him. And he's going to have to figure out a way to get some things done there. I, right. Like I view Sané the last time I, we talked, I think we talked about Sané. I view Sané as kind of in the middle, right? He's been performing as well as he did at city. And the fact that we got him for 50 million is about, you know, where I'm at, but it's all these smaller moves, around him yeah those that complimentary really, moves yep that really kind of define him right because you can debate sane right mm-hmm. you can have a legitimate argument for him being bad you can have a legitimate argument for him being good i don't think there's anybody that can argue that sar has been good i don't right. think there's anybody that can argue that raka has been good granted raka's barely gotten any of the playing time that he needs clear misses on those that, two for sure right um guy you just mentioned the fact that we paid 10 million for Jan Fita Arp after his best season. And he's not been able to replicate that any way, shape or form is disappointing because it's one thing, if you can land a big name player and have him elevate your team to that top level status, it's another thing. If you can't surround that person with equally good players or equally promising players. And even when it comes to the young players that supposedly have this high potential, the ones they've brought in don't have that. And the one person who's been overly obsessed with bringing in young players that we all hear about, the person that's overly obsessed with potential is Brazo. And so I land that mostly on him. And at the end of the day, it could be down to scouting, but he's the guy pulling the trigger at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and, you know, like we've talked about many times with Brazo, he's a very divisive figure. Uh, There are people that support him based on the outcomes of his bigger moves and his work in retaining players like Joshua Kimmich, uh, Leon Goretzka, Kingsley Coman, even Thomas Muller. He has went above and beyond to get those deals done. Maybe not Muller as much as the other three, considering how long that took. But Brazo has a, a decent track record in being able to retain top players. That, of course, is being pushed to the limit by this whole Lewandowski saga. But I do think he is he has failed in a lot of instances there as well. The Nicholas Sula case to me is another huge failure because you cannot let a Germany international who was arguably your best center back this year get to the point where he feels unappreciated. And I think with Serge Gnabry feeling the same way, plus add in all of the nonsense that has happened surrounding flick and the rumored disagreements between Nagelsmann and Brazo on some squad planning issues. There is a severe lack of communication and collaboration going on. It almost feels like Brazo doesn't feel like he needs to take the input of others seriously. Not that he doesn't take the input. It's just that he doesn't care about the input that is given to him. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but that's the way it comes across to me as an outsider. And when it comes to the direction of this club for the future, This is a very challenging time. Bayern is at an economic disadvantage that is not going to get any better. They are trying to transition to becoming a selling club. That only works if you identify the proper talent, can somewhat develop that talent into a a sellable figure, and then actually make money on it. So this is a tough plan to execute. Brazo is in a, a very tough spot. Is he the right man to do this, to lead Bayern into this next wave or next generation? I don't know, Jake, but we're going to find out. And it's going to be really something that will either cause the fan base to implode in anger or all of the people that are on Team Brazo to 
stand up and applaud because if he makes it out of this and he puts together a Champions League winning caliber team, you know, he will deserve credit. <sighs> Jake, we're close to running out of time. So we have two topics we still need to hit on and we can wrap them up relatively quickly, I think. Uh, the fourth thing we learned this week, obviously, is that Eintracht Frankfurt won the Europa League. Extremely impressive. Frankfurt is one of those clubs that I think a lot of people like to root for, even if you're not a nine-track fan. Like I know that personally, because I got a, a chance to see them live in Philadelphia, I have an attachment to them. I like watching them and like to see their success. I was really happy for the Bundesliga that they were able to win and get that fifth spot in the Champions League next year. Jake, have any takes on Eintracht Frankfurt? Uh, I mean, this is their biggest win since uh, Kovac led them yeah. to beat us in the Pokal. So, I mean, I'm happy for them. I'm glad for them. I was rooting for them. It should have been West Ham, but, you know, Aaron Cresswell <laughs> getting a red card in the 19th minute kind of ruins all of that. But, I mean, if there was any German club that made it through and won, uh, given that the other one was Erbe Leipzig, I'm very glad that it was Eintracht, uh, especially because it was against Rangers, because I am a bit of a Celtic fan at heart. Um but no, I think they performed very well. I think Oliver Glasner deserves a lot of credit for what he's done with this team. And uh, yeah, a great, a great job to them. I'm glad to see five German teams in, uh, in the Champions League next year. And Jake, the last thing we learned this week, and I'm sure you and I can both be succinct in our evaluations of this, is that oh, Bayern yes. Munich might be interested in Usman Dembele from FC Barcelona. I want no parts of this guy, given his act when leaving Borussia Dortmund, given his injury history, and even though that's gotten slightly better and his his whole just career of up and down performances, I'll pass on that, especially if he wants 18 million euro per season as a salary. The last thing this team needs is another high priced wing option uh, that will play half the game. So, Jake, what's your, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, he's in my mind, the Kyrie Irving of <laughs> soccer, except he doesn't have anywhere close to the equivalent talent that Kyrie Irving has in basketball in that, uh, this man seems to be one of the laziest and most unwilling to put the work in to improve himself and to play the game well, uh, out of everybody. And there could be a lot of reasons for that, but still, I mean, the eyes don't lie for me. Um, if Barcelona thinks, and, and I have a doubt for this rumor, I have a feeling that this was engineered by Joan Laporta out of Barcelona uh, to kind of say, oh, hey, Bayern's interested in Dembele. Hey, we can toss him in if you knock the Lewandowski fee down to 35. Like, no, don't do this. Don't come anywhere close to this. I'd rather go after somebody else that we have been linked with in Sadio Mane. I would love to have Sadio Mane on this team. You talked before, Chuck, about uh, being concerned about, you know, players that will not, uh, wingers that will not match the quality of Lewandowski because the ones we have right now don't support him. I agree with that. If you go out and you go get Sadio Mane, then you're in great shape. You're in great shape. You can put... Sané, you can put Coman, you can put Gnabry on the left wing, and if you stick Mane on the right with whoever up front, be it Dembele, Kalajic, uh, in a dream world, Schick, whoever, right? That sounds like a fantastic lineup. That sounds like a fantastic front three. If you put Dembele on that right side, 
I, I don't know, right? The talent that he has, I don't think is at the caliber that Bayern need for next season, especially up front. Um, and, and I just, I think that this is a terrible, terrible match. Uh, and if, if we were talking before about things that might get Brazo fired, in my mind, this would get Brazo fired. Like, especially if it's a swap deal for Lewandowski, fire him. Fire him right then and there. Well, Dembele would be a free transfer. So we take the swap out of the mix. But for me, Jake, when I look Even at Even if it, it's a free transfer. Hell no. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't want him, especially considering the salary that he wants. But tying it back to the Amazon documentary, it's just interesting because if you remember that scene with, I, I believe it was Kingsley Coman and Serge Gnabry admiring how good Dembele was and Yashua Kimmich basically telling them I would take either of you over him. I think that says it best right there. So that's, yeah. I'm going to side with Yashua Kimmich on this one. Yeah, um, I'm going to side with the future captain yeah, of this team on this Exactly. One. Well, Jake, that is going to wrap it up for us on this uh, on this episode. So I appreciate you hopping back on. Uh, as always, you can reach our site at the Varian FB Works on Twitter. You can get me at the Barrel Blog. You can get Jake at Jefferson Fenner. You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. You can get Tommy Adams at Tommy Adams seventy one. You can get Samarin and Schnitzel. Uh, via their posts on our site. Appreciate all the downloads. Appreciate you guys always listening. Jake, absolute pleasure to have you back on the show. Hopefully we can do it again soon. As always, enjoy your weekend. Uh, Have a beer on me. And even though there are no more Byron games to watch, keep checking our site because we have all of the latest news as it breaks. We'll see you next time.